I'm dressed a little differently, aren't I? I have brought my motorcycle gear with me. I brought my what I wear on my motorcycle. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to walk through, as an introduction to what we're going to talk about this morning, I want to walk through what I wear on my motorcycle, just to kind of give you an introduction to, to what we're going to talk about this morning. So for the past eight or nine years, um, I've gone on motorcycle trips with my brother and my family, and we've met at different places. Last year, we went to Colorado. This year, we're going to Montana, hopefully uh, Glacier National Park. And what I want is I want to show you the type of things that I wear. So I'm dressed basically how I would ride on one of my motorcycles. I have a, a, a cruiser, and I would wear this. I, so I would wear a vest, long sleeve shirt. I would put on my chaps. I would put these on. I won't put them on, but I would put them on. They're leather chaps, and I would put those on. And then I would have on also uh, my boots. I didn't have my boots, but these are the boots that I wear to protect my feet. I would put my gloves on, and I would need a, a helmet. I would wear a helmet, and I would put on this this helmet like this, and I would wear this, and um, I would just motor on side the road. And what this would do is that would make me feel comfortable as I'm riding on Highway 70 going from here to Kansas City, Kansas City, Colorado. I mean, I'm traveling on the on the, the highways and I'm going at a, at a fairly high rate of speed, 75, 80 miles an hour, some of the, the speed limits. And I feel protected. I've got a helmet on. I've got gloves on. I've got boots on. I've got chaps on. I feel protected. If something was to happen, I feel good. I've got the right kind of clothes on. Now, however, last year we went on a little bit of a different um, motorcycle trip. We went to Colorado and rode differently. And here's a picture. This is a picture of Brian. And this is Brian on the route. So as you can see, this is Brian Nelson. And it's a lot different kind of riding. It's off-road kind of riding. It's not It's not on the streets. It's not pavement. It's rocks. It's trails. It's all kinds of different riding. Um, a dirt kind of, of, of route, dirt tile uh, so if I'm going to ride in that setting, I have to have a different bike and I have to have different clothes. So in that kind of setting right there, I have a, I have pants that I put on and they protect me. They've got padding in here and it protects me in a little bit different way. I have this spiffy little thing that you strap on and it's got armor gear that protects my, my uh, chest and it protects my arms and elbows and all kinds of things. The gloves that I wear... The, the gloves have a lot more padding on it, and it's going to protect me more. The the boots, as you can see, the boots, well, the boots are much higher, and they're going to protect me in a different way. As a matter of fact, I even wear a different kind of, of helmet on this style of riding here because there's a propensity for me to fall over and to crash. Next picture. Now, this is, if you had your little, your iPad and you could do this and spread it out, so kind of just do that and spread it out. See that little dot in the middle? Well, that little dot, little black spot in the middle, that's me. And I'm standing next to Brian Nelson, and I'm standing next to my brother. And what happened was I came around that little that little left-hand turn, that sharp left-hand turn, and I went around the left-hand turn, and I didn't do the left-hand turn very well. And I was just tired, and I just kind of went plunk. I just fell over. I, and so they've got to stop, and they've got to pick me up and help me to get through. Because it's a different kind of riding and a different danger level, what I needed to do is I need to make sure that I'm protected in what I wear. So different kinds of riding, different style of, of uh, riding, but also the idea of different types of clothes. So what is the point in me showing you this riding apparel? It means this. If I'm going to get on it from me personally, I'm going to get on that motorcycle, and I'm going to leave my house. I've told my wife, and I've told myself, and I've told my family, I'm going to make sure I have the right gear on. I have got to wear the right clothes. I can't tell me how many times 
something serious has happened, very innocently, and that bike has just gone out from underneath me. I have got to have the right clothing on. I've got to have the right attire. So there's different styles of riding, different brand. There's there's an, an, uh, an acronym that they say with some type of adventure kind of riding, and it's called this, ATGAT, and this is what it means. It means all the gear all the time. At get. It means if I'm an adventure rider, most of the time when you see an adventure rider, they are geared up from head to toe with a certain style and, and a protected gear that they wear. All the gear, all of the time. And the reason they do that is because they want to be protected in what they do and how they're riding. In our text this morning, Paul is writing to the people of Colossae. And he says, listen, you got to put off that old stuff. We looked at that last week. You gotta put all that old stuff away. And what you need to do is you need to be dressed appropriately as a follower of Jesus. You need to have the right clothes on, if you will. And he's not talking about physical clothes. He's talking about the mannerisms. He's talking about the characteristics. He's talking about the very virtues of what defines us as people, our faith and trust in Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, you are radically different on the inside. And what we need to do, and Paul even writes this later in the book of Romans, he says this, what I want you to do is I want you to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. How do you clothe yourself with Jesus? Is there a blanket that's got Jesus' name on? Or what do we do? Do we Colossians chapter 3, as, as we look above, as we look to where Jesus is at, I'm able to clothe myself with the very clothing that Jesus would have me to wear so that I can be like him in my character, my virtues, and the way that I would live my life out, traveling the road, if you will, the road and the way of the world. He wants me to be dressed appropriately. That's what Paul's point's going to be this morning. So let me just read the text. Three verses, man, great verses, just great truth here. I mean, we're here to be like Jesus, right? Don't you want to be more like Jesus? I sure do. Don't you want to look at the virtues of who Jesus is and be conformed to the image of the one who's absolutely beautiful, perfection, sinless? I want to be like him. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in this idea of perfect unity. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the great privilege you have of being able to gather together. And Father, I thank you for Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. Father, thank you how in the Word of God we are reminded that we need to clothe ourselves in the right way. And so, Father, I pray that through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, God, through us singing this morning, that you would just speak to our hearts about who you are and what you've done for us. Father, that we would be able to, to leave here knowing that we are dressed in the appropriate manner. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So three things we're going to talk about. Put on this. Put up with this and put over this. That's what we're going to go. Put on, put up, put over. That's where we're going. Put on what? Put on the appropriate clothing. Look at verse 12 again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So I think one of the things that we need to remember, sometimes it's really easy to separate ourselves from the context of the, of the letter. Don't, don't separate ourselves from the context of this letter. What he's already told us about is this. He says, listen, because of your faith and your trust in Jesus, because that your life is literally hidden in Christ, because I'm renewing you into the very image of God through the Spirit of God is living inside of you, we need to act differently within people in the body of Christ and the outside world. And if you go back and look at verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11, there's a wide range of people that are listed there, barbarians and Scythians and Jews and Gentiles culturally, economically, religiously, Racially, we are very, very different. That's what he's reminding us in chapter 3, verse 11. And in the midst of that context, how, how do I operate with you? You. How do we operate in the body of Christ? He says this, listen, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. I chose you before the foundation of the world to be in Christ. I, I, I love you. You're the, you're the beloved. You're the, you're the, when you weren't lovable, God loved us. Jesus went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice when I was a very unlovely person. It says when we were enemies of God, he went and offered himself as a payment, as a sacrifice. I'm chosen by God. It says you're holy. I'm holy? I'm a saint, the Bible says, because of what Jesus has done. And I'm separated. I'm set apart. I'm set apart for good things. I'm set apart because of who Jesus is and what he wants for my life. And we need to remember our identity because what we have a tendency to do is this. Look at that person over there. Look what they're doing wrong. Oh, look how bad that person. We tend to look at and focus on other people rather than looking at ourselves and who we are, not only who we are, but who the other person is. Our identity is in who we are, and we need to be wearing the right clothes. Listen, if a fireman shows up at your house, is he going to be dressed like this? If he does, you mean to get rid of him, right? He's not going to be dressed like this. Of course not, police officer. Well, we all have this idea of the way that we dress. And what Paul is saying, listen, because you are absolutely radically different, I want you to, I want you to live out these virtues that are here, these common virtues that need to be a part of all of our lives because of what Jesus has done for us. And let's just walk through these five virtues. And I think for us, it's a great opportunity for us to go, ah, how am I doing in that area? Ah, how am I doing in that area? Ah, I don't know if I'm doing very well in that area. Because a lot of these virtues are the way that we look at the world around us, the people around us. How am I responding to the people around us? Five virtues. Let's look at the first one, compassion. It's this inward care and concern about other people. When I look around and I, I see hurting people, don't, they'll respond or is it like the, the, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan where you kind of look away and you, you just want to get on the other side of the street. You want, to, you want to move around. You know, life is messy. People's lives are messy. And I was listening to the names that people, Gary Backer listed. Man, do you know, I don't know if you know who Karen Klein is. Poor gal's lost 7,500 pounds. They can't find out what's going on with her. Man, I hear that my heart goes out to her. And we're starting to pray, Lord, give him wisdom. Give him wisdom on what's going on. And my wife comes in and I can see that she's a little off kilter. Or mom's going through something. How, how do you respond when life is messy? Well, the Bible says this, that we need to, we need to have compassion for other people. Our heart needs to go out for other people and we need to respond to other people and needs that they have. William Barclay. 
tells us, he's a commentator, and he tells us how, how radically different this virtue of compassion is. He said basically the, the compassionate part of people was not very evident back then. Toward animals, toward hurting people, they, they weren't very caring and loving to other people. And what he says is, listen, the sufferings of animals meant nothing to these people. There was very, very little provision for the elderly or sick. And what he concludes is this, is that for, for people who are elderly or people who are sick or weak or, or hurting in body and mind, what Christianity, or even a woman, what Christianity came and did is, listen, I'm going to have compassion on you because that's the very characteristic of Jesus. See, we're to be like Jesus, clothe yourself with Jesus. Jesus had compassion for other people. And now what are we supposed to do? We're, we're to be compassionate people. Our hearts are to go out to other people. to want to help them in, in their time of need. There's a man by the name of Bruce Thielman, and he tells of a teaching hospital. And the hospital found that one of their young resident students had an incredible impact on, on children. And the children responded to him with great delight. And in other words, the children responded to him, and they would do things with him that they wouldn't do with any other doctor. And they're trying to figure out what, what in the world is going on. What makes this doctor so unique in the way that he... He takes care of these children. So they assigned a nurse to follow him and find out what was going on. And it was on the night shift, the scout found out why this man was so different. And this is, this is what it was. It's simply this. Every night during his last round, he would kiss and hug and tuck in every one of those children. And it was that simple act of compassion that radically changed the way that he was able to take care of and nurture these people. Paul says, listen, Jesus was compassionate. I want you to be compassionate toward other people, especially now in the midst of this muckiness, in the midst of this world. We need to be compassionate people toward one another. So he says, clothe yourself with compassion. Second thing he says is this, put on kindness. Wear this this coat of kindness if you will. Now, kindness could be any kind of of way demonstrated. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's a phone call, pat on the shoulder. Maybe Maybe it's something. Maybe it's an invitation to lunch. Maybe it's an offer to help in some way. It's some tangible way that reveals that you want to be kind to another person. One of my favorite songs is 10,000 Reasons. And, and I, I love this song because there's one, one verse in there that just, I just love because it tells me about the character of God. It says this, speaking of God, your name is great and your heart is kind. I love that. God's heart is kind. And I want to have a kind heart. I want to be an imitator of God. I want to clothe myself in the very things that, that God has clothed me with. And when he says, listen, what, what I want you to do is this. I want you to clothe yourself with compassion. I want you to clothe yourself. Wear, wear, this, wear this garment, if you will, of, of kindness around to other people. Be characteristic of loving and caring. Demonstrate the, the heart. Demonstrate to, to people of what Jesus would look like if he, if he walked this earth. So many centuries ago, there was this guy who grew up in a rural setting. He just got tired of his family. He basically said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. So he went and lived in the city and basically made a wreck of his life. I mean, talk moral, immoral living, I mean, just made an absolute wreck of his life. And he felt something deep inside of him that he needed to change. 
And one day he heard a preacher, and though he didn't really appreciate the preacher and like what he's saying, he was just captivated by the man somehow, some way. So he went to hear him again, and soon that preacher was able to lead him to Christ. That young man became famous as the great St. Augustine. And this is what St. Augustine wrote of the pastor Ambrose of Milan. This is what he wrote. I began to love him, not at first as a teacher of the truth, which I despaired of finding in the church, but as a fellow creature who was kind to me. Talk about being an example for Jesus. Talk about the opportunities that we have to be a messenger of of Jesus, an ambassador for Jesus. We just simply be kind to other people. We can be compassionate to other people. We're supposed to be kind to the needy. The Bible talks about a kind word will bring cheers to another person's life. When we are kind, the book of Proverbs says that that we, we honor God is what we do. By the way, doesn't the Bible also say that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance? God's kindness and grace and mercy to me led me to a place of saying I need to change my life. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And, and, and we want to be like Jesus, don't we? So I want to, I want to put on compassion and I want to wear this, this idea this, of kindness. And the third characteristic is this, this idea of, of humility. It means, it means to think rightly of yourself is what it means. It does, it, it's, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not demeaning in the way, oh, I'm just a bad, it says, no. No, no, because you're, you're God's creator, God's creation. You're, you're loved, you're holy, you're separate, you're, you're all of that. Remember those wonderful qualities about you, but don't think so highly of yourself. Now, pride, pride destroys. And it's not just the outward things that we do. Pride, pride just hides in our heart. It's all about the way that we view other people and the way that we view ourselves in relation to other people. And this idea of, of pride just elevates ourselves. We think that we're more wonderful than we are. We're studying the book of Proverbs um, at, at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. And uh, so I might as well tell you, Proverbs 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 2 says this. When pride comes, then disgrace. By the way, how many times have you watched, tragically, a, pr- a prideful man or woman fall? It's tragic, isn't it? We see it, witness it all of the time. Not just in the church, but outside the church. Pride destroys. It says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility, what comes wisdom? Man, I want to be wise. This idea of placing ourselves under other people and seeing myself as a servant of the Lord and responding in a way with humility toward other people is incredibly important. By the way, Humility was not, again, humility was not a virtue to be lived out in the Greek world. It was seen as a weakness. It was something to be despised. So what does Christianity do? Christianity comes along and says, listen, by the way you're changed on the inside, be compassionate, be kind, and also be humble. Have a right understanding of who you are in relation to other people in relation to your understanding of who God is. It's the way that we view ourselves, the way that we interact with our world. The way I interact with my family, my friends, my spouse. This idea of humility. James chapter 4 verse 6 says this. But he gives us more grace. Aren't you glad God gives you grace? I'm glad God gives me grace. But he gives you more grace. 
And this is what the scripture says, uh, quoting Proverbs chapter 3. God opposes the proud, but what? He gives grace to the humble. Man, don't we want to be humble people? Don't we have a, want to have a right understanding of who we are and what God has done for us? What we need to do to, to walk with Him, to demonstrate the very qualities, virtues that He would have for us. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. By the way, isn't that a fruit of the Spirit? Gentle? It's a fruit of the Spirit. We're, we're talking about being controlled by the Spirit here. It's interesting, in, in the Greek language, um, this word was used in secular writings. It was used in, in this way, as a soothing wind, as a healing medicine, and a cult that had been broken. In other words, it means this. You can have too much power from wind, and what does it do? It creates a storm. If you have too much medicine, what does it do? It can cause you to sicken, it can even kill you. If you have a colt, a horse that is untrained, what is it? It is wild. What he's demonstrating here with this idea of gentleness is strength, power under control. How are we under control? When we are allowing the Spirit of God to work in our lives and to give us the, the, the control that we need. I'm living in dependence of the Spirit of God in my life. Why? Because I've clothed myself with the right type of behavior right type of clothing, if you will. I'm recognizing who I am and what, what God has done in my life. There's a man by the name of Francis de Sales. And I think that's how you say his name. I just like this quote. This is what he says. Nothing is so strong as gentleness, and nothing so gentle as real strength. Isn't that that parallel? They just go together. Listen, Jesus wasn't a weak man. Jesus was a mighty man. He was a powerful man. When they came to arrest him, by the way, don't you think I can call legions of angels to come down here? I can command legions of angels to come down here and rescue me. I can do that. But I'm not going to do that. Because I'm going to be kind and gentle, and I'm going to go the way that God has called me to go. Matthew chapter 11. Most of us have memorized these words. These are beautiful words about the character of Jesus. Notice what he says. Come to me. Are you weary? Are you broken down? It's life just beating you up. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I love that. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. When you go back and look at the nature and the character of Jesus, you see how he modeled strength and power in his life. He was a gentle, kind man who spoke the truth in love, but he demonstrated himself as being under the control of the Holy Spirit of God, limiting himself and his power because of who Jesus, because of who he is and what he had been called to do. So we're talking about our clothing. We're talking about the, the virtues, the things that we're supposed to be wearing. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility. The last thing he mentions here is, is patience. Another fruit of the Spirit. Wow, isn't that amazing? Paul just seems to be pulling out what does it mean to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Patience has the idea of self-control in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's that, that long fuse. You know, somebody in the family, somebody in the family of faith makes you angry, does something that you don't like, and you look at them and you go, and I'm just going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be considerate. Maybe I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what kind of day they've had. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to be, I'm going to be patient. 
I'm just going to be, I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going to trust that, that this virtue is, is going to work itself out in the long run because I, I, I want to be empathetic toward people. I want to be sympathetic to the, to the places they're at. You know, harshness and rage and all of those things can radically alter the relationships that we have. In relationships, they're often fractured and they're fragmented by selfishness and, 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 and by, by greed and callousness and this, this hardness of heart. But what these virtues that Paul just lists here, aren't they a healing balm in the relationships that we have? Whether it be a husband and wife or children or in-laws or family members or maybe in an office context, these are absolutely beautiful. Kindness and gentleness and compassion, what does it do? It, it binds us together. It binds us together in a, in a wonderful way. And, and rather than looking at this as a list of things that I need to check off, I think what we need to do is look at this as a way that God is saying, listen, this is who we are on the inside because of the Spirit of God. And it needs to shape your whole life, your entire life. A man by the name of John Coxley said this. He said, the texts of the Bible are not to be treated as objects to be understood, containers of ideas to be questioned or debated. Rather, they are be taken into oneself through the whole shape of daily life. So we bring these virtues, these characteristics, we clothe ourselves with them in such a way that we wear them as I go about my days, as I go about my life, as I, as I live these things out. How different would your life be if maybe you were a little bit more patient? Would your life be different if you were that a little bit more patient? Or maybe a little kinder, maybe gentler? I mean, think about the relationship that you're in. A relationship that maybe that person is a little difficult and challenging. Maybe in that kind of relationship, I was a little kinder or a little more patient. I wonder if it would alter the relationship. I bet it would. Wouldn't it do? That's, that's what it seems to be saying here. I said, I'm not there yet. And I'm going to make mistakes and you're going to make mistakes. But, but I think what, 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 what Paul is saying, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to be dressed right. I want you to be putting on the right clothes. By the way, let me just tell you something. If you're not wearing the right gear when you're riding a motorcycle, it can be deadly. It can be absolutely devastating. I wonder what would happen if we're not, if, if we're not putting on these virtues as Christians. Maybe, maybe we're ruining our testimony. Maybe we're shipwrecking something that Somebody sees inside of us. You know, we're walking, we're, we're walking emblems of Jesus no matter where we would go. And I think what we want to do is we want to make sure that people look at it and go, wow, I don't necessarily agree with that person, but they're, they're sharing the virtues of what it means to be like Jesus. So what do we do? We put on, we put on these virtues. Second thing is this. You got to put up with others. Yeah. No one's not like, no, no, not everyone's like you. They're not like me. We're going to have to put up with others. Notice what he writes in verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Listen, the reality is, we're going to hurt each other. I wish it wasn't so. And I don't like it when I, when I hurt my wife, or I hurt my friends, I do something dumb or stupid. Man, it just breaks my heart. And what he's talking about here is just, listen, I, I need you to, you need to bear with one another. You, what we need to do is this. We need to make allowances for each other. That's what we need to do. Put up with each other. But we, we make allowances for people in the family of God, knowing that when I make mistakes, you're going to make mistakes. And I'm going to bear up. 
I'm not going to jump to conclusions all of the time. I'm going to give people grace. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. All of those virtues that we just listed, I'm going to bring them out in the difficulties and the challenges that I have because I want to model Christ-like behavior. So what's he talking about here? He's saying, listen, I want you to to bear with one another. I want you to make allowances in the family of God for other people. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Isn't that beautiful? I need to be kind and bear with one another and build up one another. And I need to look at each other with this, this, this vision of grace, knowing who I am and how much grace God has given me in my life and what I need to be doing is I demonstrate and model the Christ-like behavior that I should. So what do you think? To bear with one another means this. We need to make allowances for each other. But there's a second aspect of this, and it's this. Man, we got to be forgiving. Forgive how, like Jesus forgave us of our sins. And by the way, he went to the cross and offered himself as a sacrifice. The model for forgiveness is what? The model for forgiveness is none other than who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Henry Ward Beecher, a pastor lived many years ago, uh, was part of the abolition movement for slavery. This is what he said, and I like it. Every man should have a fair-sized cemetery in which to bury the faults of his friends. Notice it doesn't say to bury his friends. Bury the faults of his friends is what he's talking about. Do you have a big cemetery that you say, you know what, I'm just going to put this right there. And I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to be forgiving and kind to other people because I know what Jesus has done in my life, and now he's forgiven me. And I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. Sometimes we don't get it right. We like to hang on to things. Um, anybody know who Garth Brooks is? He's a, he's a country singer. By the way, when he, he does a concert, he sells out like in an hour. I mean, thousands of people just want to see him. He, there's a song that he sings, and I, I like the lyrics. It's about an unforgiving heart, and see if it resonates. We bury the hatchet, but leave the handle sticking out. We're always digging up things we should forget about. When it comes to forgetting, baby, there ain't no doubt. We bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle sticking out. Is there a little bit of truth to that? We grab onto that handle because we can't quite let it go. We want it there, and we want to hang on to it. Well, Jesus is saying, listen, I, I want you to be forgiving toward other people. Seventy times seven. And that's hard to do. Listen, when you have been hurt tragically, that is really, really hard to do. And I don't know that we can do that in our own strength. I think that's why we need the Spirit of God to come alongside of us and help us when we cannot do those things. And what Jesus simply says is, listen, I want you to be forgiving toward other people. What marks us as Christians is that we need to forgive like Jesus has forgiven us. First Corinthians chapter 13 says this, Paul said, love what keeps no record of wrongs. You have a record of all the wrongs that someone has done in your life? It says, we don't keep record of wrongs. We're not on a tally sheet. We're not on a score sheet here. No, the, the, the virtues of Jesus is this, that we are forgiving of other people. We're kind to other people. We're loving toward other people. We're wearing this, this wonderful, uh, this, this wonderful, um, armor, if you're a body or, or whatever, virtues of, of humility and compassion and kindness and gentleness. 
In verse 13, that there is just a, a really beautiful thought here that, that doesn't necessarily come through in our version. In verse 13, it says that, it says, forgiving each other, or literally, forgiving your, forgiving ourselves. In other words, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, we are to be marked by forgiving each other, forgiving ourselves. I'm to be forgiving you. We're to be forgiving each other. That's what needs to be happening in the body and the family of God. And go back to chapter 3, verse 11, and think through how all of those people would be different racially, culturally, economically, experiences. All of them would be radically different. And by the way, you're not talking about 5,000 people, you're talking about in the context of a house church. He's saying, listen, you need to be forgiving and kind and gentle toward other people. You ever consider what happens when you don't forgive? Let me just walk through a couple of them with you and let, let you listen. You block fellowship with your Heavenly Father. You just block the fellowship. You put a, you put a hand up. We lose the blessing of God. The Holy Spirit is grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. According to Psalm chapter 66, verse 18, God, God doesn't listen to our prayers when we harbor this idea of unforgiveness inside of our heart. God leaves us alone to face the problems and challenges of life. By the way, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about possibly giving the devil a foothold in our life because of anger. Hebrews talks about what a root of bitterness welling up inside of you that can do what it can defile many. Man, you ever see a root of bitterness well up? Defiles people. John chapter 8, it says we become to the enslaved to the people because of harboring unforgiveness in our heart. We become enslaved to them. They, they don't even know sometimes, and they, they, we become enslaved to them because we just can't respond to them in a way that's right. And what's tragic is we become like those who forgive, to for, uh, we become like those who forgive, uh, do not want to forgive. We become like them. We could become like an unbeliever. We become like an unbeliever. And what, what Paul says, listen, I want you to be putting up with other people. I want you to give them the freedom, and I want you to forgive. So, real quickly, then we're done. We, we put on these virtues. We're wearing these, these wonderful virtues, compassion, and gentleness, kindness, where we're putting up with other people. And the last thing is this. He said, I want, I want to wrap it up. I want to wrap this, this whole concept up. I want to give you something that's going to just bind it all together. I, I don't know that much about cooking. I had to look this up. I think I'm correct here. So all the cooks out there, you can come up afterwards and tell me that I'm wrong. I think that, if I understand this correctly, that eggs and, and dry powder and Heavy cream, they're like a binding agent. I understand that's what the internet said, so it has to be true, right? It's a binding agent. What it is, it binds everything together. It binds all the ingredients together. Um, I, I wanted a fiberglass, a, a part, um, a plastic part that I have, a, a little container. And so you go, you buy the, the fiberglass stuff for it. And you have the fiberglass, you lay that out, and then you have the, the binding agent, you have the, the stuff that you paint on it. But you have to put a, a thing like a resin in there. And what it does is it, it binds everything together so that it, it makes it hard on the surface. What is that binding agent that Jesus has for us? Overall, put over 
all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. The greatest of these is love. I want you to put on and put over love. In other words, all of those virtues and the allowances in my life and the perspectives in my life and the forgiveness, it, it, the covering all of that is this idea of God's agape love. God's unconditional love for me and what he's done for me and offering himself as a sacrifice on the cross. I mean, does that give you a picture of something beautiful? Wouldn't you want to be around that kind of person? People love to be around Jesus. Crowds just flocked around him, and they wanted to be around him. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Where do we go? Their hearts were burning when they were with Jesus because they saw something mighty about him. They saw power. They saw control. They saw love. They saw God in a way that interacts with humanity in a wonderful way. And I know that we want to be like that. We want to demonstrate those kinds of things. So how you doing? What kind of clothes are you going to wear today? You're going to put on the compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility. Make room and allowances for people in the body of Christ, people that irritate you. Yeah, I'm sure I irritate some of you. I get it. We all do. And then let's just wrap that up, this beautiful bow of, if you will, love. This love that we have for one another. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Father, in many ways, these are difficult things. But we live in a broken world, and it's a hard world. And there's a lot of hardness out there. But there's challenges out there. And let I recognize that sometimes in my own heart and mind, even I can be broken and hard. And Father, I can't do these things. So, Lord, I pray that I would just be mindful of, of putting on what Jesus would be, to clothe myself with a very person of Jesus and what he's done for us. And Father, I want to do that. And I want all of us to do that. We would be models of faith, that we would love you for who you are and what you've done for us. Father, thank you for this beautiful teaching that reminds us ultimately of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And Father, I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.